God is worthy of our worship always. Thank you, Zach. Thank you, uh, worship team, for leading us so faithfully each week uh, before God's throne. He and he alone is worthy, and I pray that that's what your worship meant to you today. Now, as we continue to come before God, I pray that you'll take your Bibles right now and turn with me to Ephesians chapter 6. Yes, we completed Ezra last week, so we're on Ephesians. We're going to spend a couple of weeks, uh, not in Ephesians, but a couple weeks on a certain topic, and it begins today in Ephesians chapter 6, verses 1 through 4. If you want to leverage that pew Bible there in front of you, it's on page 1,347 in the pew Bible. Now, I am certain that most everybody that uh, is hearing this has heard and of the experiment that comes of placing a frog in a pan or a, a, uh, a pan of cool water on a stove and then slowly increasing the heat. You see, that that test came because if you take a frog and you throw it right into boiling water, it's going to jump right out because that will startle it, it will hurt it, and it will not be adjusted to that. So the experiment of placing a frog in a pan of cool water on a stove and then slowly raising the temperature of the water and the heat. Because the rise in that temperature is so gradual, it's almost imperceptible to the frog and He, the frog, remains in the pan even when the water begins to boil, and he adjusts to the heat as it rises, and eventually, without even seeing it coming, he boils to death. Now, that process illustrates what I believe is happening to the American family, including many Christian families. The changed values in society have been so gradual that most people have hardly noticed them. Each small change in standards and values seems insignificant in itself, and because adjustments are gradually made to those lowered standards, the dangers may not even be noticed when the family and society start to disintegrate and crumble. Moral and spiritual standards have gradually eroded until countless families have been literally destroyed. Now, I mentioned it during the welcome a few minutes ago that we had a great VBS, and As we had this VBS, I had the opportunity to speak to many families within our VBS families that came, but during any given week, I find myself having the opportunity to speak to many other families in our community. I've also have the idea, I've mentioned to you that this coming Saturday is our men's event, so again, we're trying to build godly men through this event, and that's why I've been encouraging you men to to become a part of that event on that night. Also, I know that next week, a week from today, is Father's Day. And so I've been thinking a lot about family and a lot about um, the role that I am to take as the man of God, as a pastor, as a husband, as a father. And while each Christian has a responsibility to live obediently before Christ, men, based upon what I'm reading, we must go first. We are challenged by God to be the husbands God has called us to be and called to be the fathers that God can make us. So perhaps we're going to have a Father's Day emphasis today, and I know it's not Father's Day, but I also know that we're going to have a Father's Day emphasis next week. 
I was talking with the church member this week, and uh, they were talking about how they had been challenged by the sermon series through the book of Ezra, and they were asking me where we were going to go, and I mentioned it to them, and he said, oh, thanks, because God's Word continues to challenge us, and today, this challenge is to each of us, but the focus might be directed more at the men today than anybody else, but it's for us all, so let's all seek to do that. So I'm going to ask you to stand as I read for us Ephesians chapter 6, verses 1 through 4. Ephesians chapter 6, verses 1 through 4. Reads like this, children, obey your parents in the Lord, for this is right. Honor your father and mother, which is the first commandment, with promise, that it may be well with you, and you may live long on the earth. And you, fathers, do not provoke your children to wrath, but bring them up in the training and the admonition of the Lord. Now, first of all, did you catch what we started with? Ephesians 6, 1. It says, children, obey your parents in the Lord, for this is right. If you're keeping up with us, and I pray that it is an important thing that you are doing, everybody. That's our, it's one of our memory verses here in the last uh, few weeks. Today, we kick off memory verse number eight. It's on your uh, call to action. We've had seven weeks of memory verses before this, and Ephesians 6, 1 was one of those recently. So I pray that you know that because you took the time to memorize it, but I pray that your family also knows that, Dad, as you have led them by example in doing that. But verse 1 that we've memorized says, Children, obey your parents. Scripture says that it is right for children to obey their parents, and every parent in the room would say amen to that. But interesting enough, obey is a verb. It means it has to do with an action. Verse 2 says, children, honor your father and your mother. This talks about it's the first command that comes with a promise. Honor has to do with an attitude. Verse 3 goes on to say, so that it may go well with you, that you may have blessings and long life. It is clear from these first three verses in Ephesians chapter 6 that God has expectations for how children are to act and how children are to feel about their parents. And then we transition already to verse 4, and it says, and you fathers. Now, I'm certain that God includes mothers in this requirement. He's using the dad as the example, as the lead of the family, but it allows us all, mom and dad, each of us, to live appropriately before our children. But... It says, dads, God is clearly calling us out. It says, and you fathers. He's calling me out as a father, and he's calling you out as a father. And maybe you're a father to be one day, and and therefore the Lord is going to teach you something now to make you better then. And in this passage that we just read here in verse 4, God gives fathers, who he's talking to, one don't and one do. So look at verse 4 with me. It says, fathers, do not provoke your children to wrath. It's interesting. When you look in the first century in the Roman Empire, the father had supreme authority of the family. I read an example that when a child was born to a Roman family, the child was laid before the father, and if he, the father, picked up that child, it meant that he was accepting this child. 
And if he did not pick up that child, that child was being rejected. And with rejection, that child could be sold, given away, or even killed. Did you notice there that in God's word, the value of a child first begins with fathers? But you know, sometimes even fathers, when they accept the child, can fail them in one way or another. Scripture gives us a couple of prominent examples. David, King David, pampered Absalom, spoiled him, gave him everything that he wanted, and he set a bad example before Absalom, and the results were tragic. You can go and read that that became a family civil war for many, many years that cost many people their lives. You read more about Eli. Eli failed to discipline his sons, and they brought disgrace to his name and defeat to the nation of Israel, and they were killed. So verse 4 says, do not provoke. So I took just a few minutes to understand what the word provoke means. Provoke suggests a repeated, ongoing pattern of treatment that gradually builds up a deep-seated anger and resentment that eventually boils over into an outward hostility. You know, there are multiples of ways that a parent can provoke their children. And I was interested when I was studying this because sometimes they don't look like ways to provoke, but they might actually be. You can provoke children by overprotecting them. You can provoke children by failing to provide for them, by showing favoritism to them, by pushing achievement beyond reasonable bounds or expectations. You can provoke a child by discouragement, by failing to sacrifice for your children and making them feel unwanted, by letting the child grow up at a pace that is, by, by failing, I'm sorry, to let the child grow up in a pace that is normal, by using love as a weapon or withholding love, depending upon that, or by being physically or verbally abusive. Now look at the paraphrase of Ephesians 6, 4. It says, Dad, don't use your authority to abuse a child, but encourage and build up that child. Paul is sharing a new thought for his time. Father, your children need you to stand in the gap. Now I think it's really clear, and I looked at a lot of statistics this week, that when dad is effectively doing his job in the family, the family is better off. The children are better off. The relationships are better off. And when dad fails to do his job, then the children are failed. They struggle statistically in so many different categories in life. Dad, the reason God puts you first and puts the responsibility on you not to provoke your children is because it is so important how you interact and lead and have an emphasis in your children's life. Now, I told you that in that verse, Ephesians 6, 4, that God gave the father one don't and gave the father one do. So let's look at that do. Verse 4, but, note that this word, the word but, shows a change of mind or direction or emphasis. So it's going to be in the exact opposite. Instead of being God. Uh, instead of failing your children, this is going to help them. Instead of dishonoring God and his plan for you, this is going to be God's plan 
for you. It says, but bring them up in the training and admonition of the Lord. Do you know that if children are left to themselves, they will rebel? So Scripture says that a parent must train their children. Now, I want to share with you a great promise that you may have claimed over and over again, and I do as well. Proverbs chapter 22, verse 6 says this, Train up a child in the way that he should go, and when he is old, he will not depart from it. Now, I was thinking about how to demonstrate the importance of a father in training up a child. And unfortunately, I've done a lot of funerals in the last two or three years. And for every funeral that I've done where a man was involved, I always attempt to talk to the family, and specifically, I get a chance to talk to the children if this man had any. And his children would recount to me the things that their dad had said, and then they would share stories or memories about their fathers and things that their father had done. And this gave me great insight into the type of man and the type of father that this person was. And I think that that's the emphasis that Paul is, is, is making here. He says, Dad, you've got to do something. You've got to bring them up. This is an action, a responsibility, a job that begins, that never ends. Do you know that I will be the father of Caleb and Micah forever. Now, they're older now, 27 and 30, believe it or not, and one's married and one's got his own family started, but I still find opportunities to be father on a regular and recurring basis. Not necessarily because they might think they need me, but if they come to me, I will be there for them, but I'm always seeking to find ways to encourage them, walk with them, and lead and guide and instruct them. That's what God has called us to do. Dad, you must do something to bring your children up in the Lord. Now, in 2 Timothy chapter 3, verses 16 and 17, Scripture says this. It says, All Scripture is given by inspiration of God and is profitable for doctrine, for reproof, for correction, for instruction in righteousness, that the man of God may be complete, thoroughly equipped for every good work. Did you see that? God's Word can teach us. A father's number one tool, I believe, in bringing up their child is the Word of God. So very quickly, as I begin to head toward the end of this message, I want you to take that call to action, that bulletin that you have, and on the backside are notes. And whether you're a dad or a mom or whether you're a grandparent or whether you are still single, and waiting for those activities to begin in your life, I pray that you'll write down these Scripture passages because they will help you a great deal. I want to pass along to you some fatherly advice using Scripture. Number one, do everything to glorify God. If you're going to be able to bring up and do something through God's Word to bring your children to God, do everything to glorify God. 1 Corinthians chapter 10, verse 31 says this, Therefore, whatever you eat or drink or whatever you do, do all to the glory of God. Colossians chapter 3, verse 23 says, And whatever you do, do it heartily as to the Lord and not to men. 
Dad, you need to teach your children that all their efforts matter, that everything they do can be done in a manner that pleases and glorifies God. Work hard, play hard, seek God hard, and pray earnestly. Number two, not only can you do everything to glorify God, number two says that God can make good things come from all things. Romans 8, 28 says, and we know that all things work together for good for those who love God to those who are called according to his purpose. Did you notice that in all circumstances, it doesn't say that everything is good. Sometimes things are bad and how we handle bad and how we teach our children and train them up to handle circumstances that are tough in life says a great deal about who God is. Wherever you find yourself, child of God, make this statement. God must have a purpose for me in this. And to that, I can say amen in the circumstances in my own life. The third thing we can train our child up to know and understand is that God can be trusted. Proverbs chapter 3, verses 5 and 6 says this, Trust in the Lord with all your heart and lean not on your own understanding. In all your ways, acknowledge him and he shall direct your paths. Psalm 37, 5 goes on to say, Commit your way to the Lord. Trust also in him, and he shall bring it to pass. Trust God. Look for God to act and commit your way to him. The fourth thing that could be fatherly advice to help train up our children is that life is both precious and precarious. Think about these two perspectives. In Psalm chapter 90, verse 12, it says, So teach us to number our days that we may gain a heart of wisdom. You know, life is temporary, which makes it precious. In 2 Corinthians chapter 4, verse, er, verse 18, it says this, While we do not look at the things which are seen, but at the things which are not seen, for the things which are seen are temporary, but the things which are not seen are eternal. This life is temporary. So there's two perspectives. Don't presume that you're always going to have it, and then don't waste a moment of it. How we train our children to live their lives and to take advantage of the days that God has given them. A couple of other things I'll share with you, fatherly advice. A Christian, Scripture would teach, is a great doer. James, in chapter 1, verses 22 to 25, and we've just recently studied this on a Wednesday night, says, but be doers of the word and not hearers only, deceiving yourselves. Those of us who say we know but don't do are missing out. And it's possibly, James goes on to say, that one who believes and does not do do they really believe? James says that we need to train up our own selves and our children to be great doers. Another thing that I saw of biblical advice is in Ephesians 4.15 that biblical doctrine is important, but we have to be careful how we interact with people. Ephesians 4.15 says, speak the truth in love. You know, there is a way that we can say things and do things that are the truth that draw people to God. Right doctrine 
and right relationships with people come by loving first and teaching second. Now, another one, if I'm keeping count, this is the seventh one. Respect and love your mother. Leviticus 19.3 says, Every one of you shall revere his mother and his father and keep my Sabbath, for I am the Lord your God. A father who does not lift up and support the mother fails both the mother and the children. Dad, the greatest thing you can do for your children is love their mom. And number eight, be who God made you to be. Psalm 119, 73 says this, Your hands have made me and fashioned me. Give me understanding that I may learn your commandments. And Ephesians 2, 10 says this, For we are his workmanship, created in Christ Jesus for good works, which God prepared beforehand that we should walk in them. We need to train up our children to understand that they are God-made. They are a unique, one-of-a-kind creation. You are unlike anyone else. Be who God has created you to be. And then the last trait, probably not the last one in Scripture, but the last one I'm going to share with you today. We're going to bring our children up in the right way. They need to understand that people are lost, and they need to be saved through faith in Jesus. In Luke 19.10, Jesus said, For the Son of Man has come to seek and save that which is lost. Luke 5.32, Jesus said, I have not come to call the righteous but sinners to repentance. And John 3.16, For God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten Son that whoever believes in him should not perish but have everlasting life. Sin is real. Judgment is certain. Heaven and hell are real. It's all true. So we need to live our lives in such a way as to be able to be used by God to help people come to Jesus. Now, I was uh, online, and I found this confession of a father. Now, I'm not sure who the father is, but he, he wrote this, and <clears throat> here's his confession. Just let me read it as I found it. He said, my family's all grown, and my kids are all gone. But if I had to do it all over again, this is what I would do. I would love my wife more in front of my children. I would laugh with my children more at our mistakes and our joys. I would listen more, even to the littlest child. I would be more honest about my own weaknesses, never pretending perfection. I would pray differently for my family. Instead of focusing on them, I'd focus on me. I would do more things together with my children. I would encourage them more and bestow more praise. I would pay more attention to the little things like deeds and words of thoughtfulness. And then finally, if I had to do it all over again, I would share God more intimately with my family. Every ordinary thing that happened in every ordinary day, I would use it to direct them, my children, to God. Now, it's clear from Scripture today that, fathers, God has an expectation for us, for me, and for you. He desires to help you become the father that he desires you to be, the father that you will be glad that you have become. So as I've come through a week of Vacation Bible School and as we head toward a men's event on Saturday and then Father's Day, the very next day, next Sunday, 
Dad, I just wanted to give you a kickstart into this. But this is not just for dads. You see, all of those characteristics, all of those ways to build up can be used by mom or dad, or those are just great biblical truths that can be there for any of us. So I'm going to ask you to stand with me. Kenny will be down front, and if there is anything that we can do for you, this altar will be open. You can come and pray. And Dad, what a great way to head toward Father's Day than to commit your way unto the Lord and allow the Lord to be glorified more in your family. Um, we can help you in any other way. The altar is open. Kenny is here to pray with you. You can reach out to me anytime you want to, and I'll walk with you in any way that I can. Uh, so let's pray, and then we will have this time of uh, invitation. Let's pray. Father, we come before you now, and we thank you for your goodness to us. Father, we thank you for your love that we see very clearly in our lives. And we pray, Father, that you would help us now, help us as people, but specifically now, Father, help us as men, help us as fathers, help us as husbands, Father, to, to live our lives devoted more to you. And then help us, Father, to be able to take up the scriptural responsibilities that you have placed on us, Father, as it relates to our families and to our children. Father, we know that that will extend into every other area of our life. Father, I'm thankful for the men in this church, and I pray, Lord, that each one of us, beginning in me, would yield our lives to you more and more so that you can be honored and glorified in our lives and in the lives of our family and our children. Father, we pray all of these things in the great name of Jesus. Amen.